This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 274, in conversation with Nick Patara. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 274. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and today we have another special episode as part of our summer interview series. We've got uh, another conversation with Nick Patara. Now, fans of the show will know that this is not the first time that Nick has been on the show. He's actually... Uh, it's interesting. His first appearance on the show was episode 176, which was uh, back in June of 2014. Uh, I think it was the day before Manhattan Projects issue number 21 came out. Um, so now we are able to talk with Nick about uh, what's been happening in the past year uh, as we uh, have him joining the, episode, the series again for episode 274, as we'll chat about uh, Manhattan Projects, the last few issues of that series, as well as the current um, more or less miniseries, Some Beyond the Stars, uh, which has recently had its first issue about a month or so ago, I believe, um, and that we're eagerly awaiting issue number two at this time. So we'll jump into the episode in just a moment. Just some housekeeping first. You can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate or review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also post in our HC Realms thread as well. And you can also check us out on Stitcher. Uh, upcoming episodes this summer, uh, we'll have episodes... Uh, where I get to speak with uh, Chuck Dixon at some point, as well as uh, Ron Garney, Mike Diodato, Pat O'Leaf, um, and we might also be sitting down with Devin Grayson, um, who's an acclaimed uh, Nightwing writer back in the early 2000s. So a lot of good stuff on tap for the summer, so um, hopefully you're enjoying these, uh, these interview episodes as we do them. They're a lot of fun to put together, and we have a bunch more coming down the pike. Um, so without further ado, let's jump right into this conversation with Nick. Welcome back to Comic Shenanigans. Nick, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good, man. Thank you for having me back. It's uh, good to have you on the uh, show again. It's been a, quite a while, but uh, it's, I think it's a good time to reconnect. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to catch up, man. So uh, the last time we spoke, it was almost a year ago. Um, Manhattan Projects hadn't ended its initial run uh, in terms of the ongoing series. We still, at the time, I think we were on issue 20 or 21. Um, so just kind of going back to about a year ago, when did the decision come about to decide to end the book with issue 25? Um, I think with 25, the, the team, the Manhattan Projects team, all their stories were separating a little bit. And John and I talked about the story getting too big for us to do like a lot of character work with it. Uh, like 25 kind of felt like almost like a cliff notes, what these guys are up to right now. Mm. So. So with that, once he was done writing that, and I drew it. Um, you know, we decided like a month before, right when he was, when I was working on it, that we would tell individual stories with the characters, uh, and and kind of maybe jump back to the team as a whole whenever uh, those storylines, the individual stories wrap. So John originally had an idea where he wanted to tell, you know, an espionage story with Groves, a sci-fi story with Laika and Yuri, um, uh, a trans trans uh, dimensional story with. Einstein and Feynman and Einstein jumping around. And so there was going to be this, these small, more intricate stories that were more character driven, because I like character driven stuff a little better than plot heavy, um, that were going to be focused, that they weren't necessarily going to fit into the Manhattan Projects, um, the previous 25 with, with us telling a story. There is a big story within the 25 that we haven't told yet. So I don't know if we're going to go back to the original numbering when we get back to that, if, when all of these other story arcs collide, mm. or, or how we're going to do it, or we're just going to do one big end one. I know the trade numbering, for example, is going to stay the same, so the next story arc will still be trade six. Um, oh, really? I didn't know that. 
Yeah, we're going to keep the trade numbering the same because I was kind of iffy on going to um, the regular monthly numbering. I didn't really want to change it. I never really liked that in comics, but John made a good point that um, this would give us more time to work on individual stories without us always soliciting, you know, every, every month. You know, we, we could just stop and work on something for a while, get it in the can, um, and go on from there. So uh, I, li- I like that aspect of it. And plus, we can pause it whenever we want and do, like, uh, something else. If we wanted to do a one-shot or do something with, uh, you know, a different property, we could uh, without us being a slave to the monthly grind so much, which sounded good to me because uh i've been getting slower as as the more i the more i work professionally the slower i get i found so now i have a question about the issue 25 uh before we talk about the the current run of the book um the last shot of the two einsteins and Feynman riding these weird i'm gonna call it testicular kind of creatures i'm not really sure what the design was there but but how did that kind of end up being that kind of the last panel we see of these characters I think John just wanted to end it on a more of an open thing where these guys are off riding on doing their thing. Uh, I know he it said in the script that he wanted jelly like purple jellyfish things or something along those lines that they were riding off on. But it was basically showing that um, that scene. Remember, um, they were blowing up those. You know, before that they had exploded one of those jellyfish things, maybe a baby one or a small one. Yeah. And the goop had fallen on Feynman, and then they ran. And then when you came back, they had conquered. That, that planet that was kind of a way to show that they had conquered that species and so whenever we get to their story they're going to be hopping around Einstein if you know spoiler alert figured out on issue 20 that the one consistent throughout all realities was that Oppenheimer was evil and so they're either going to go on like Oppenheimer hunting or or go explore uh, you know with the two Einsteins I mean that's originally the story I wanted to get to right away but John thought because he's doing interdimensional stuff at Marvel right now, like pretty heavy. He didn't want to jump right into that with Manhattan projects. He'd rather cool off on that. And let's do a fun sci-fi thing. That way I can do that. Cause I draw aliens pretty well. Probably the strongest thing I, I draw because they're anthropomorphic and kind of makes me less of a slave to knowing anatomy and I get to draw more fun. So he figured that'd be a good break from drawing the old men for a while, do the alien story with Laika and, uh, Yuri had them reconnect, tell a little sci-fi rom, establish some stuff that will eventually play in, you know, in a year or two down the line uh, with the main story. So, so yeah. Now, with some Beyond the Stars, do you guys have a set kind of number of issues that it's going to be part of, or? Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to it's going to be one trade. I'm behind on issue two, really, really far behind. I'm like a couple months behind because uh, I travel. I scheduled too much traveling ahead of time, and I. Uh, I've just been drawing a little bit slower lately and I got a lot of cover work from Marvel and stuff I think I kind of did a thing where I was so excited that people were writing me for side work that I, I kind of just took it and without really thinking about schedule so John's yelled at me about that and we're getting back on track now uh, but yeah it's going to be four to five issues I have the script for the first three uh, or the, the loose plot because we kind of work Marvel style uh, for the first three, and then he, uh, depending on how that goes or how long I draw it, if I overdraw it, it might just be four oversized or or, or five regular size, depending. So so that's it, and then that's going to establish some stuff that will play in uh, to stuff later. So yeah. Now looking at somebody on the stars number one, um, a character I really really enjoyed who was then murdered was um, I guess the the genocidal you know eating other races creature. 
Yeah, yeah. I forget his name, but yeah, I'm trying to find it. I can't remember what his name was. It was kind of, it was kind of. A, I know that the, I think they called him a rat fucker or something terrible at at a point. But I know he has a real name. But I, I love that script. Uh, basically, John said, "Yeah, we're gonna do like a Night Court, but with aliens." And I drew it, and I, I watched Night Court as a kid, but I really don't remember it. And then I, I, I sure enough, there was a few reviews that like this felt like Night Court or something like that. <laughs> and uh, reading that script and that guy's, you know, uh, very you know, mouthy dialogue and him going into it, and then they built this character up, and I got to design him, and I put some time into his design and stuff. And then when I get the page of script, or says he gets exploded, uh, pretty fun, you know. So I, I, I kind of went all out on that. And uh, I don't know. It took me a long time to draw that issue because it's a little bit oversized and probably the most detailed uh, issue I've ever done, the tightest issue. But then I felt like I set a standard for myself. It's hard for me to keep up on a monthly basis. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. So um, so that that's the story there. I like that we spent half an issue for a joke. That was kind of fun. That's kind of the stuff I like to do. I don't know if John is always have, like likes to do that, but he knows I like to do it. So he kind of added that in. So that was really fun. I was super excited the whole time. Uh, with that, with that whole scene, so yeah, it looks it looks like yeah, his name was Garu the Dirty Ratfucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, what was the behind the decision? I guess because he looks very punk, right? Like, well, I mean, for me, well, when I read it, I just felt like he was kind of goofy. You know, he's so goofy sounding, and when he was over talking, and so I just wanted to make him. I feel like a lot of my alien designs were looking very similar. So I tried to change it up, and I kept playing around with it, and then I got something that kind of looked Jim Henson-y with the eyeballs on top of a beak, you know. Kind Actually, of that's a good a good comment because I when, once you said that, I'm like, that's what it looks like. Yeah, and so I was like, so I was really happy with the design, and I actually designed him because John told me I needed what designs I needed before I read the script. So like, I put some time into his design to think about him, and I had no idea he was going to explode it. So I like, I got a few character turnaround sheets of him, and then all for like you know a few pages before he gets exploded <laughs> um now with um with yuri's dog do you like that we that you guys have kind of made him more of a evolved creature or do you miss him being more of a dog man or- i really me and john have gotten along so well on all throughout manhattan projects but i the first big problem i had and that was issue 21 when Leica was morphed uh into a more humanoid dog uh I, when I read that script, it was, it was a it was a fill-in issue that Ryan Brown did, and I was like, John sent me the script to look over, and I was like, I called John, I was like, man, let's leave the let's leave the dog normal, don't mess it up, because I, I like the dog being the dog, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I really didn't like that it was, uh, you know, that the dog's more humanoid, uh, but we'll see where it goes with that. There's nothing. I, I originally thought, you know, Leica, we never established boy or girl in our universe. I mean, in real life, it was a girl. Leica was a girl, you know. And he loves the dog in Manhattan Project. So I'm like, well, if you're making her more humanoid, John, you're just making her more fuckable. You know, like <laughs> she already can, she can already talk and she can already shoot guns. Like she doesn't really need to stand up like a human. We got humans, and uh, I think he wanted like more of a anthropomorphic, you know, kind of like a Chewbacca or something character, like a kind of like a badass. Uh, but I mean, for me, I thought the, I like the dog as is. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna try to get him to mutate her back at some point, but we'll see. So yeah, so yeah, I, I actually did not. I was not a fan of that. I, 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 that's the only time I was like, eh, I don't really want that. And then I was like out of control of the design because uh, it was a Ryan Brown issue. So I was like, I felt like had no say. It was the first time I regret having a feeling. I'm like, God, I, I want, I want more say than this, you know. But it was, it was good. Uh, it's gonna work out well. And he was, he was so excited about whatever he had planned or whatever he has planned for it that, um, you know, he just kind of took precedence on that one. So yeah. 
So you've gotten more used to drawing the more humanoid like Leica? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly one of the hardest things I draw because I really like drawing her little, you know, like she's cute little. Plus, like, I feel like animals go a long way in pop culture. Like, you have a cute animal like Rocket Raccoon talks and shoots a gun, you know? We already we had that before Rocket Raccoon was popular, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like we shouldn't, like, mess – I thought we shouldn't mess with that. So, uh, like, don't mess with the dog. Dogs are cute. You know, people love animals, so – but uh, I mean, it was a small creative difference, but it'll, it'll work out okay. And I have—I've been drawing her a lot. I mean, it's basically the head with the human body. So I mean, I get to draw the kind of the same thing, just not a dog body. So it's not—it's not the end of the world. Plus, the new iteration of her, she's got like a cool axe and like a hammer and stuff. You'll see in the next issues that she uses. So it'll be cool. Now, do you feel? I noticed this a little bit. Did you—did you feel that your um, your take on Yuri seemed a little different in the first issue as opposed to? previously like something about him i couldn't quite put my finger on it he almost seemed more i, don't know, I almost want to say attractive <laughs> yeah yeah with him being like the leading man of this like he like i purposely drew everyone kind of towards their ugliness in the original run mm-hmm. like he was uh like they're kind of goofier looking and probably the character i had the least grasp on was yuri's face i'd say um everyone else was kind of exaggerated and ugly but yuri was like known if you read any like stuff about him as uh, a guy with a really nice smile and stuff. So when I looked at him, I kind of gave him a goofy smile in the original series. And then his face always kind of changed. I never really established it a hundred percent. And then with this series, I just gave him a beard and kind of normalized him. I wish I kind of wouldn't have, but he's a little bit more normal now since he's the lead and uh, he has a beard, but uh, I shave his beard the next issue off. Uh, ah, I love the beard. Well, it isn't. It actually isn't set in stone because I'm drawing those pages now. I'm like halfway through. He's like uh, cutting his hair, buzzing his hair on the sides, and gonna do all and get cleaned up a little bit. Uh, uh, because in, if you notice in issue one, his suit, his hood will pull over to like zip up to be a flight suit, and it looked weird with like you know the old school 1930s fighter pilot leather helmet thing, and then mm-hmm. a beard too. It looked like his whole face was covered, you know. Um, with with that but i don't know i'm still i'm still kind of working that out but i do have a scene where he's uh, got buzzers to his hair so i was thinking he would shave his beard too but we'll see maybe not um when uh, when yuri and um i guess the the rat fucker are in prison um i know you like to put little details in the prison scene well, on a lot of scenes there is uh some writing on the wall that brooks was here who was brooks yeah um that's all from uh if you've seen shawshank redemption it said Red was here and Brooks was here, and in Shawshank, those guys—it's not in the prison cell, but those guys get—they uh, get released from prison and they write on the wall uh, uh, okay. the house that they stay in. And then there's also, um, uh, I think it's Retha Haywood Hayward. It's a, another big plot device. The, the poster in there has a lot to do with Shawshank as well. And then there's some little stuff in the windowsill that's Shawshank. It's all Shawshank Redemption references. <laughs> uh, if anyone watches it, they'll, they'll know. I don't want to spoil it, but they're they're all pretty good, um, and probably only a handful of people that read Manhattan Project will even notice that stuff. So yeah, I'm glad you at least caught uh, what that was. So yeah. Now, what kind of motive? Like, was that again something anywhere in the script, or is that just for you for fun to kind of? Make- oh, that's just me jerking around and messing up John's writing. It's like here, let me undermine everything you've done by putting a, you know pop culture reference in a sci-fi setting that makes no sense you know like <laughs> which, which alien would have carved that under the wall they wouldn't have been able to watch Shawshank so it kind of undermines the story but makes me happy while I'm doing it uh, you know makes me 
the long wee hours of the night when I want to make myself laugh uh, makes me happy for that one moment. So, so yeah, that's pretty much where it comes from. And then so. I guess there was the uh, the don't drink uh, gag above the toilet, and I guess there's something reaching out of the toilet. Yeah, there's. I like that there's just something living in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, there's something in there. But yeah, obviously the don't drink thing is pretty self-explanatory. But yeah. Um, now the, it, the, fact, the fact that there's like a uh, you know everything in terms of that is off because the fact that they would have you know if they've never seen a, a human before out there because Yuri's the one that's traveled the furthest on the planet what are the odds they have the same exact toilet you know what I mean and I toilet guess. paper too right because you drew yeah, it on top yeah yeah so you'd think I'd put a little more thought into however they would get rid of their ex- excrement or whatever but of course I didn't so whatever what uh, what was your I guess your inspiration for the judge character. The judge character, I kind of just wanted something that looked fun. I spent a long time on him. Um, I wanted something that was kind of top-heavy. When he like, walked around in silhouette, he would look fun. Um, he kind of reminds me of Truman, just because Truman had like the hat and the and the kind of the shoulder piece. And he kind of has, you know, again, like a shoulder robe and then a bit of a helmet type thing going on. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want with the with the design of the outfit. I wanted him to be kind of regal, you know, because he's kind of a he's going to be a character throughout the book. He's running around with the team the whole time, so um, I wanted him to be regal and stand out, and I wanted to have stuff that was fun on him. Uh, with his face, I mean, he's kind of like a fat Kermit the Frog or something. I really don't know what I was thinking there. <laughs> uh, it's not really. I wouldn't say he's more different than all the other lumpy. Like mashed potato aliens, I draw. So he's just kind of in line with that. But I, I did want him to have thin limbs and like a fat body. And I think I pulled that off. And I tried to give him something regal, uh, since he's up there judging people and, and exploding them and stuff. So. But then he's drinking with former, uh, you know, people who were sued, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's out drinking and stuff. Yeah. And I, I guess I got I got a real kind of Mose Eisley kind of vibe from that entire sequence near the end. Yeah, the, yeah. The the sequence at the end was actually the time I had the least amount of time to draw. The you're talking about the, the stuff in the alien bar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I liked that, and it was a uh, Jordy's decision to color it all purple. Um, but uh, yeah, I was just thinking I would have if I would have had that bit first, the, the whole issue would have been late because I would have went crazy on an alien bar scene. You know, like the cantina scene in Star Wars and stuff. I would have really tried to push, but I, I thought it came out well, um, and the aliens were fun in it. I don't think it was drawn well. I, I wish I could have went Jeff Darrow crazy, but I ran out of time. Uh, so, yeah. Now, since you're spending time, obviously, on, on this kind of section of the universe, which character are you most itching to get back to? Man, I, I really want to get back to... Well, there's a main plot in the first 25 um, that that is going to be, like, a really big story. Probably, like, you know, if you're a, if you're a fan of, like, Invincible. They had the Voltramite War, like a really big thing. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it, that'd be like it'll be like our Voltramite War whenever we get back to that. But I can't really talk too much about it. But really, the Einstein, the two Einsteins and the Feynman. Um, I want to get back to that because there's so much we could do there, and we can introduce different, you know, alternate reality of, of any of the characters. And that little hint of that we had in issue 20 when we showed Einstein jumping around dimensions uh, was really fun. And I would love to do a whole story arc. Uh, explaining what these guys are up to uh, doing that. I know that there's going to be a General Groves and Westmoreland like espionage story that John wants to tell and then there's going to be one more story with Von Braun but that's really like four or five trades basically a whole other half of the series before we get back to the, the big Ultramite War type story mm-hmm. but um, really Einstein is the one I, I love the most and then Harry's up to his own thing too he's going to you know he kind of like 
melted everyone out in the desert because people kept messing with him. <laughs> uh, it was just like a one-panel scene, but he, he did it. And so he's going to kind of be like – John says he wants to make him almost like a like a messiah-type figure or something. You know, like – you know. but I, I don't know. I mean he just said it on the phone. That might not even be the case. So uh, I don't know what he has planned for that. So they all got their individual stories. I don't know if we're going to tackle multiple stories in one trade, but really the one I want to tell. I mean I love the Einsteins. You know, they're like – they're fun. They're the most recognizable characters, um, and then they, the way they play off of Feynman, mm-hmm. uh, I like that character dynamic the most, probably. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess I mean in the first, you know, in the first twenty-five, it was almost like a slow burn with uh, Einstein because he wasn't the original focal point, but I think he definitely became one of the most intriguing characters, especially once you showed that you know the one we were watching was Albrecht. Like that was yeah, yeah, yeah. There was it was such a slow burn. Like I mean, even John would like tell me no, pull back. Just let, you know, like even in issue one, you only see him for, he looks over his shoulder and that's it, you know? And then eventually it takes, you know, a whole trade to figure out he's the wrong one. And then you see him and Feynman hang out, but he doesn't really ever get his own story arc, like to actually tell something awesome that he's done other than the other one comes back, right? Um, and so I want to I want to see them, you know, go through some trials and tribulations on like, you know, other dimensions, and just get them into like some fun trouble. So that, that's what I kind of want to get back to, ideally. Einstein kind of in the book kind of feels like um, in the Simpsons episode with the uh, Yakuza at the very end, and there's like the little guy, and Homer's like, you just know he's going to do something awesome, and then like the the minute you cut away, you know that something just happened. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's kind of the way it feels like with Einstein is because we we know he's awesome. We've seen little glimpses, but yeah, you're right. He never really had his yeah, a true focus on himself. Yeah, he's never, I mean, he showed up and done awesome things, like, obviously, he chainsawed Fermi, or Fermi's death, yeah. uh, he, but it's like these little quick moments where, like like you said, he's such a badass, maybe we, we you know, maybe it bettered a lot of, like, what happens is in the reader's head, but I do want to tell a really quality story, have a really quality trade that does something with all three of those, uh, Einstein, uh, good Einstein, evil Einstein, and uh, Feynman. Uh, I think I think that would really cement, like, really put a like a stamp down the trade. Let's say if it's the trade number seven, then you know, you're getting deep into the trade count there. And if you have like a really home run trade in that, it'll kind of re-anchor the series. I think a little bit. Mm. I'm excited. I'm excited to do that. Which of the uh, Einsteins do you prefer to draw now that they look different? See, my whole idea with the slick back hair, and actually in issue 19 or 20 when they walk away together. There's a double impact uh, Jean Claude Van Damme like movie poster in the background, and I kind of <laughs> like the slick back hair, the old badass, because the new one we haven't really established much character work with him. Like we know that he was the good one, but we never saw him in the whole series until he showed up and shot Oppenheimer, and we saw him hop around and issue twenty to different dimensions. But we haven't really gave him a voice yet, or I haven't worked with him enough to give him a voice. Whereas um, the original is the one I know. Well, the one with the slick back hair now. Mm. So, the blacker hair, too. So, yeah. Interesting. Now, um, another question. Um, obviously, it's been a while since we've had Oppenheimer. Will we ever see Oppenheimer again? I mean, you, you've kind of alluded that we might see him in alternate realities, but are we ever going to see kind of a flashback to the Oppenheimer we know? I would say that that is um, instrumental to future stories. Uh, not that he's coming back. He's not, he might, he's not coming back alive, <laughs> Literally speaking, but there's stuff established in the first 25 issues that uh, that's going to play big time down the line with 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 the character of Oppenheimer. But it, I mean, 
but Oppenheimer, as you knew him, definitely had a hole in his head. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he's a he'll he'll definitely be a part, even even if it's you know in different dimensions, because he's still there's still other dimensions and the Oppenheimer's in every one. Uh, but so it won't be the one from the original. So that one that you know if you liked him or you whatever, he is definitely gone. But uh, there are at least in talks with John. There's talks to to use him down the line uh, or use some iteration of him. Uh, but again, that's so far down the line, who knows uh, what will happen by then. The farther the series kind of gets from, I guess, because originally the series was definitely, it felt like it was it was taking place kind of over time. We were seeing in relation to, regu- to real events, and then obviously now we're kind of spinning off in a very much more fantastical direction. Do you miss the kind of more grounded nature, or do you find that more freeing as an artist? I like... That's actually a good observation. So yeah, everything was happening such such in such a chronological manner as far as the history of you know the United States and uh, you know global issues or whatever. Um, and then this was the, this first series here with um, Sun and Stars is definitely just a sci-fi story with the characters that from there. So originally when John pitched the Manhattan Project to me like four or five years ago, because it took us a few years before we ever started on it, he just wanted to tell individual stories where each story, we can tell a sci-fi story, we can tell an espionage story, we can do this, but instead we launched it as an ongoing to establish the characters, you know, and to tell a story with all of them first. And that originally wasn't John's plan, but now we're getting back to the original plan where we're just going to do what we want with them. So it'll be interesting. You know, we're only, you know, a couple issues into the first time that we're really doing our own thing and not limited to chronological uh, storytelling so much as the storytelling that, we've established uh with the characters the the stuff that we kind of originated without being a slave to the timeline but i do like and i think that readers do like the hints at you know cuba missile crisis or jfk assassination or fdr you know dying you know like i think those landmarks uh are important to the readers too so i I hope we can keep going but eventually we're just going to run out we're going to run out you know uh but i so i think I would still like to do it as an anchor, maybe once an issue, once a trade, maybe like have an anchor moment where, oh, that's that, but not so much uh, plant something like that every issue anymore. Um, mm. Just because I think it, it's good and that having that kind of timeline in the reader's head, that callback to something that they're aware of, I think is nice. But I also think if you're still on board, six trades, seven trades in, that you may not need that anymore. Maybe you like the characters now too. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I do, I do like that, but we're definitely going to be less of a slave to it uh, going forward. And I guess, as you said, like ultimately you guys have gone through what, like I think 24 years worth of, of space that it's not like you couldn't, you know, do kind of an untold story as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a few, there's a few small things like things that I've always wanted to work in with John where I'll, I'll read something and be like, Oh, we can do this. We can do that. And there's no reason why you couldn't go back. You know, you couldn't go to you couldn't go to an early version of Young Einstein. You couldn't go. I mean, there's so much we could do uh, with the series. Um, you know, you could plug in an error because some of that stuff happened. You know, we from issue to issue, there might have been years. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and there, there's there's some big gaps there. And if something clicks with John, or if I can convince John that something that I like would be worthy of doing to to fill out the story more or you know, scratch our creative interest more. Uh, I'm definitely not against it. And I know John's not, it's such an organic loose kind of concept, the way we're working that, um, anything's possible. You know, it's not, it's not so plot driven that 
we have these anchors that we have to get to. We got like loose places we want to go and then we'll see how we get there. So, and actually that makes me realize that like, you know, you guys have done, you know, things into space, uh, across time, uh, realities, but I guess time travel is not really something you've done. Yeah, we you know we haven't. We did the first. Uh, the first thing me and John worked on was Red Wing, and it was like all time travel. That's true. Uh, or image, and I actually didn't like that as much because it was it was confusing even to me. And I, I kind of like, like I said earlier, I love character work, and I feel like when you get into time travel, it's such plot. Um, it's so sci fi heady that. Like I'm a, I'm a dumb reader and I get confused easy with that stuff. Whereas really, I really just want to show Einstein be an asshole to Feynman and then tell mm. a little character story arc. And I know John works in the smarter stuff, uh, works around my kind of dumb stuff. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I mean, without a doubt, especially now that all the characters are established and they have a voice, or at least most of them, um, what's to stop any of them from time traveling and going back and, and messing stuff up? You know, like. It, it, it could be cool. I don't know how. I don't know how that would work. You know, with with issues already established, but that would be uh, that would be that w- that would be fun. Now that the characters have voices, you know, I, I I hate going into something dry without knowing the characters and going right into time travel. It's like you have to have that you have to have that likable um, protagonist or antagonist. So you're uh, saying they, you need you need a Marty McFly. Yeah, you know Marty McFly. It's just like that red tin media uh, guy. I don't know if you've ever seen the breakdown of, um, but it, it, that's exactly what he said. It's the breakdown of uh, why the, the the fourth Star or the first Star Wars was terrible, um, and the guy breaks it down on YouTube. It's really good, and he says you need that you need that connection uh, so everything else is normal. You need the Luke Skywalker. You need the Marty McFly to take you on the journey. That that you need that human connection first. And now that we have that. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be up for that, but that, John would have to figure that stuff out because I'm way too dumb for it. So, in a warped way, I guess that that's almost the way that uh, the first issue of Manhattan Projects felt because it wasn't until the very end with the twist they realized that you're, you're not reading what you thought you were. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. You know, I've never I, I read it intensely when I get the script. Obviously, I'm working on it all month, but I have never sat down and reread it clean, like without being attached to it. So I need I need to do that at some point. Just to get a feel for it, because you know the whole time I'm drawing it, I'm I'm aware of the ending and aware of the plot points for the next five issues and all that stuff. So it would be interesting to read it cold as a as a fan, uh, just to see how all that came together. Um, but yeah. Now, as a reader, what what have you been reading lately? And I've been so busy. What I've been doing is buying a lot of old. I've been buying a lot of original art, and I've been buying a lot of books that that art is in. Um, lately, uh, I have seen some of your posts on Facebook. You've found some amazing finds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I think they find me. I think I've, I've been known as the sucker to buy everything. So I think <laughs> people are finding me at this point. It, it came from me like not being able to afford anything. And once I bought a nice piece or two, then it got you know word got out that I'm willing to spend a little bit of money for stuff I want. And then you know, oh, then little pieces shake loose here and there. And it just happened to be like a really. I'd say it's a good month as far as getting art and a bad month as far as my bank account where everything was coming to me at once. Stuff that I had asked about two years prior and the guy's like, no, I won't sell. Then all of a sudden that comes and I, I want it. And then all of a sudden something else comes up and I want it. And uh, it was a little bit – it kind of wrecked my bank account, but it made me super happy to get all that art in. Uh, so, yeah, man, mostly it's been a lot of Frank Quietly work. I got a nice Kim Jong-G piece. I got a James Stokoe cover. I've got, I spent a lot of money on uh, art. So, but basically, I'm just trading um, 
my own art because my art my own art sales have been relatively well the last two years and I'm just taking that money and spending it on what I think is better art than my own so um, one thing I did notice on your Facebook and I absolutely loved it was the commission you did uh, with the science friends oh yeah 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 that was that was really good that, that the, the guy who picked that up was a really sweet guy and uh, he, I owed it to him for about six months and I felt terrible because it was it wasn't cheap and uh, it looks incredible and, yeah, yeah it's it awesome I want to get that image maybe on a shirt or something uh, I'm definitely making a print to it now uh, getting it colored up and everything so that'll be the next Manhattan Project's print if you see me at a show I'll try to hawk that at you or something um, I so I would definitely buy that because it, it it's just incredible looking like all the different characters the detail is incredible yeah it was fun it wasn't even my idea it was the, the commission the guy getting the commission commission E commissioner I don't know how it goes anyways he uh he wanted it, and he just wanted five characters. And I'm like, man, if I'm going to do this, let's put all the characters. So I wanted to put all the characters in the Sunny Sprints thing. was fun. So I think he was happy with it. And it's probably one of the best Manhattan Projects, I think, illustrations I've done uh, at, overall in the entire series. I, I've done one more big one um, that was really, really nice um, that my art rep owns. And that was probably at least in the top two as far as overall. I'm sure John, John, you know, John gets upset because he's like, "You do better stuff for these commissions than you do for the book." So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was a fun one. And I'm, yeah, I'm getting color now, so I'm excited to get the colors back and see uh, see how it looks. And we'll figure I'll figure out what to do with the image from there. But definitely at least prints and maybe maybe a few one off T-shirts or something. Now is Jordy doing the colors on this or? Um, I, I don't know. She might be too busy. Uh, she gets busy with her own stuff, so so we'll see. And then you also mentioned you've been doing a lot of covers. Where can we find those covers? I've done – I'm doing covers for Marvel right now. I've, I've, I've done it for Oni, IDW. Uh, I'm doing a few covers a month now. And uh, I've been doing the Marvel ones like double up. So they're really, really big. They're like a couple feet tall and wide. Um, and uh, so I got one coming out for Weird World, the new Jason Aaron book. Um, okay. I got one coming out for – there's a Red Skull book. I don't know if they've announced it yet, but there's a some Red Skull, Skull type book where there will be like a team of people and I'm doing a cover for that now. And I did a – it was a What the Duck month where they had a different artists draw Howard the Duck doing crazy stuff and I did Howard the Duck doing the Thriller Breakdance. That's right. That was an awesome cover. <laughs> yeah, it was cool because the director of Guardians of the Galaxy saw it and he tweeted it out. Uh, he's like, hey, here's the here's the end credits for Guardians of the Galaxy two. James Gunn, I guess, is that his name? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, so he tweeted out, so it got like, you know, it got like 500 shares on Facebook, and it got like a lot of mileage for a for a, a silly variant that I did. So I was pretty happy with that. That was fun. So yeah, those I've been doing those, and um, uh, yeah, and it's just put me behind, and I'm trying to get all those obligations out of the way. I talked to Hickman yesterday. I got to get back on track with Manhattan projects, but we're rolling. And uh, the next issue will be out soon. Now I have a question about that variant cover with the the thriller. Um, with uh, Frog Thor on his hammer is your name. Therefore, does he have the power of Nick Patara? Oh, I like that. Yeah, I just thought like just hide it somewhere, but I do like that. Yeah, yeah. The first like, thing I thought cool. of, I'm like, well, it's got to mean something, right? Yeah, I was actually just trying to hide it, but I do like that. Yeah, maybe maybe that. Yeah, I don't even know what what the Nick Nick. <laughs> what Nick's powers are, but they're pretty terrible if you know my Facebook profile, so it's all pretty terrible. <laughs> um, well, I guess we'll, we'll wrap up. Any final thoughts or anything you want to kind of tease? Um, no, I mean, uh, just, you know, Manhattan Project, Sun and Stars will be out again soon. 
Um, but you can look for covers from me. There's nothing really too much to tease uh, at this point in time. There's some stuff in the future, future stuff, but it's all, you know, year, a year away or so. So um, nothing really. I really appreciate me having me back on. I'm sorry. Uh, you always got to hunt me down to do these things because uh, I'm always a little bit scatterbrained and take forever to get back. So, But I appreciate you not giving up on me, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to interview me and the interest, and uh, I like your show a lot. So thank you for having me on again, man. Oh, I appreciate it. And maybe um, you know, down the line when uh, a few more issues have come out, we'll, uh, we'll chat with you again or maybe when the, the next series launches. Yeah, that sounds great, man. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. I've, well, actually, I do have one last question. I was going to wrap it up, but I had one last question. Do you think you would ever, you and John would ever do another Red Wing? Um, currently, no. Uh, I know that, so Red Wing, and with the Red Wing, I don't know, if you time travel, I guess, or theoretically if you time travel, there's Red Shift, Blue Shift, and... Uh, basically you'll see everything in that tent or something along those lines, uh, or basically, I guess the universe is expanding so fast that everything comes in red or something along those lines. So there is, there could be a blue wing too. Um, we originally talked about that, you know, years ago when we were working on that, but, um, with Manhattan projects and all the stuff we have planned for that, I just, I mean, it'd be years and years before we ever got to it. Maybe when we're bored and have nothing else left you know, we'll do that but uh we got we got so much to tell with manhattan projects uh that it looks like we'll be preoccupied to even even brainstorm it at this point but originally he hit that red you know red ship blue ship red wing blue wing uh it was a possibility but everything took off with manhattan projects and it was such a success and we had so much fun working on it we, and i kind of found my voice as an artist and uh i think we just kind of t- took off on that so currently no would be the answer Okay. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. All right. Thank you, man. All right. Bye-bye.